Hello and welcome. In this episode, Andrea shares her winding path from the best engineering school in Bucharest to leading massive agile transformational projects as an agile coach for a big tech company out of Bucharest and Düsseldorf's offices, all the way to becoming a MarTech product manager for a fast-growing startup already established in London, Berlin, and Barcelona. Enjoy. Hello, Andrea. Uh, thanks so much for, for joining my podcast. Um, how is it going? Hey, Stefan. My pleasure. I'm, I'm happy to be here. It's going well. It's going well. It's interesting times. Um, Looking forward to spring. <laughs> all right, all right. Because in uh, Germany, it's not that uh, that uh, pleasant, right, uh, during winter. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> it's uh, dark, <laughs> but not uh, very dark. Um, all right, all right. So um, you know the format. Um, it's so I think it's gonna be great to start off this episode um, by just giving the listeners a short summary of your bio. And afterwards, I'm going to jump in with questions, starting with your studies and then checking each experience up to this point. So basically, just give a summary and where are you right now in terms of job, industry, location, whatever you want to share. All right? Yeah, sure. Awesome. Okay. So I, I can go. Uh, hi, I'm Andrea Gergiu. Uh, I'm uh, 28. Uh, I studied electronics in Bucharest at Politecnica. And now I'm a product manager in Berlin, uh, but I started as a developer, they then became an agile coach, did some time as a scrum master, then came back to agile coaching, and then product management, and then agile coaching, and now I'm a product manager again. <laughs> um, all right, and just to uh, like a disclaimer, where, where are you based right now? Uh, I'm in Berlin. I'm okay. working with Haycar. <laughs> okay, you mentioned already, but I just want to emphasize, I mean, you are in Berlin, which is a sweet, a, a sweet spot for, for startups and tech. <laughs> um, it really is. There's a lot of startups on the market and bigger companies as well. Uh, Meta is coming to Europe, so there, there's going to be even bigger stuff as well. So let's see how it will um, evolve. All right, all right. So cool stuff. Lots to unpack here, Andrea. Uh, let's start all the way back with your studies. So you studied. I mean, I know what you, what what you studied. We 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 were colleagues in Bucharest. Uh, please tell me. Uh, at, let the listeners know why did you study engineering, and what did you do? I mean, if you had, what was your thought process in terms of internships, NGOs, or any any experience that might help you? to get a, uh, a job along the way, I mean, after your studies, after you finished uh, with, 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 school, with school? Thanks, Stefan. That's a, that's a good question. I, I think like most people, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just based it off my strengths. And I knew that I was good in math. I was good in physics. I liked doing it. Uh, and I also wanted to have some sort of money to, to have some sort of a career, <laughs> right? It, it's important. Fair enough. Yeah. At a certain point, I wanted to be an actress, but <laughs> that was not the way to go for me. <laughs> um, 
so I wanted to to go study something where I could make something. I think that was also important to me to create something instead of just processing or or things like that to to help bring something new into the world. Right. Um, yeah, and um, Politecnica seemed like an awesome challenge. Um, I didn't really want to get stuck behind a desk coding, so I went to electronics. I thought that it would be a lot more practical. I was young and naive. Yeah, so so that's that's how I went to to electronics. It was challenging, and I thought it would be more practical than just coding. Um, but afterwards, I figured that it's a good place to start. There's there's a lot of coding jobs out there, so so that's how that's how I got there. Um, right. I think we have to. You have to mention even even the fact that you studied in English. It's a good setting point. I mean. I'm sure it helped you out. Uh, maybe, maybe the recruiters. I mean, along the way, maybe the recruiters are not particularly asking for this type of like detail. Okay, did you study in English or did you study in any foreign language? But I think itself, it's a nice uh, uh, point that you, you you can you can mention right here. I mean, you studied in English, which maybe it had an impact on where you are based right now. I mean, in Berlin. <laughs> Well, maybe I'm sure you you speak in English, and everyone, uh, your colleagues, uh, you communicate in English. Uh, yeah, for sure. I mean, we we started speaking in English and working and studying in English, and then we never stopped. Right? I, I honestly I went for English because I think the theory is already in English, and we're just translating it to Romanian. And I thought, why would I go for a translated version when we can do the the source one and get the, the initial data and then of course afterwards after after university you're very unlikely to be working just in Romanian um because most companies are international so you need this advantage now yeah there's other languages that you could know but I think English is the business language so you need to be able to to do it like that Right. So you you do what it takes. I mean, if this can be a an advantage for you, I mean, you have to take it, even if it's uh, studying in English, if it's an internship, if it's an NGO, you just jump on it and um, uh, see how it goes. Uh, right. So I I like the idea. You knew your strengths, so you this is why why you studied engineering. I like this idea. So basically, uh, <clears throat> what would you recommend for for high school? student right now in terms of choosing uh, what he or she uh, should, should be studying during university how what should be the approach because yeah maybe be careful of what's happening along the way i mean be, be careful of what's happening on the job market you want to be well paid you want to maybe travel travel the world because for example if you work in tech if you work in finance or this type of jobs it's the the likelihood the chances of you moving abroad is bigger than starting uh, i don't know law or something like that so do you have any any uh, at least uh, three ideas to share with someone who want to choose what to study for university and i mean in general masters university who, it doesn't matter yeah I think so when I when I went to university I didn't have 
the advantage of being able to pick a university abroad. Mm-hmm. We didn't have that type of funds, and I think a lot of people don't. Um, <clears throat> but you can take these small opportunities that come your way, like the option to do the classes in English, and and bank on them later on. I think it's important to understand the general direction of the market. So in back in 2012, when we started university, we already knew that tech was cool, but it wasn't as cool as it is now. let's say right i i mean it's also what you what you see around you like my parents are road engineers and that was also something that i was considering for myself um but then they told me andrea it's not it's not the best type of job you don't really want to do this there's better things out there so i think it's important to when deciding this to look at the people around you and and see where they are successful. Um, And even further than that, right? Looking online, looking at other, not just celebrities on TV, but talking with people who might know some other people who are successful at this. Um, Me growing up, I didn't know any programmers. My parents didn't know any programmers. Mm -hmm. We just knew that this might be something good. So, yeah, and I think a very important thing I would recommend would be to stick with math in high school. Right. <laughs> Even if it's not necessarily what you'll do, because you never know, right? It helps you have this logical approach to how you work and how you do what you do that will help you along the way a lot more. Uh-huh. So, yeah. I, I love this idea because even in France, I mean, normally when students, they don't know what to do in life, they don't know what type of career they should choose and or whatever university they want, they stick with mathematics or engineering school just because this will open up later on when whatever, whenever they will decide what to do, you know, be it finance, be it uh, tech, be it uh, any type of uh, any type of job. Mathematics in general open up uh, the, 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 the most of opportunities out there. So it, this is what they do in France. I mean, and it's a, pra- a practice well known. So if you don't want to, if you don't know what to do, just stick with mathematics If you if you're not uh, attracted by mathematics, at least try to be uh, to choose something which relates to I mean some engineering school that it's not that um, I don't know a, a, a softer uh, subject, but this is what I do here in France. So <laughs> I think it's a good. That's idea. really cool. Um, That's really cool. All right, all right, Andrea. So yeah, it's uh, basically stick to the stick to the door that leads to most opportunities, right? Uh, exactly. I mean, I mean, this is mature. I mean, I don't know how many of us when we were students or in high school, because maybe it was chance. Yeah, by chance we were somehow attracted by mathematics, physics, and we chose uh, engineering school, and then we went to tech. And and I don't know what if this was. I don't know the proportion of chance and <laughs> inspiration or that happened at least on my from my point of view in my case uh but maybe in, i mean this i think it leads me to to a subject that i want to touch with you so you said look up and 
be careful of what people is doing, what people are doing around yourself in terms of career, not only on TV and so on. And this maybe leads to the networking and mentors subject, which I discuss normally with, with everyone on my podcast. So uh, be it in high school, university, or early in your professional experience, look up for people who might do better than you, who, who might have like higher positions in in a, in, a, in, a, in a company, maybe uh, in a in a university, for example, they are uh, more older than you. So if you're starting off your, your university, uh, uh, look for people who are in the like terminal years and ask them what what what's out there from their point of view. So we will discuss about mentors and networking as well. Um, so I propose to move on. And let's see what's uh, what happened once you finished uh, once you finished your engineering school. So it was Metro Systems, right? This was um, yeah. how why Metro Systems and how did you start off? I mean, so you finished engineering school and you were like a developer, right, at, at the beginning, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, I, actually, so I, I I started working with Metro Systems. That's how it was called back then. Now it's called Metro Digital, if I'm not mistaken. While while I was studying, um, you know, between the third and the fourth year, you have to do Mm. an internship. Right. Um, And I I, I kept thinking there's thousands, thousands of us everywhere that are (laughs) going to be searching for an internship this summer, and I will end up not having a job. That that was my train of thought. So um, Diana, Diana Miko, you you had her on your podcast right. as well. We we were in university together. She she found this um, uh, job advertisement for Metro Systems. They were looking for interns for a bunch of stuff. I think I think they still do. Um, and we applied in December. <laughs> so in December, in the third year, so like half a year before we were supposed to do our internships, I was so stressed about it. I started from I was like, I'm going to start before to figure out I'm going to go through 50 of these interviews until I find an internship. Um, and yeah, it was the first place I um, applied to and I got the job as, <laughs> as, a, yeah, as an intern there. And yeah, we were working with um, application operation, which is kind of like a DevOps uh, team, but we were doing development for them. Right. Um, Yeah. And that's that's how I ended up there. And I I stuck with them for for five years. It was really cool. It was a really nice, really nice journey. Uh, And at the same time, they were doing an agile transformation. This was back in what, 2015? Yeah, 2015. Uh, and they're like, you're an intern. Um, we have this, we're going through this agile transformation. You're developing for this team. Why don't you also be their Kanban master, like a scrum master? And I was like, are you just hire me? I have no idea about anything. Sure. I'll, I'll do it. <laughs> like, what did I know? I have more to say about it, but I, uh, if you have questions, like, yeah, I have, I, mean, I have, um, just, uh, two questions on that. To come back, for example, okay, so you looked, um, you started looking for internships early. Um, so you, you were supposed, you were supposed to look to search for to have an internship uh, in between your uh, like third year and final year in engineering school. But you, I mean, you were like off cycle, let's call it like that, which was more earlier than what uh, the the majority of students uh, were doing. And I think this says a lot. I mean, maturity, and I mean. It, 
maybe it was like just FOMO, fear of missing out. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was uh, panic. <laughs> no, but I, I think at the end of the day, it was mature um, uh, because you were ahead of your peers. I mean, you took advantage. Uh, this is one thing. And would you recommend for uh, to students to just be proactive and look for these type of opportunities early? Um, uh, I mean, because I think even now with so many, because it's a huge demand uh, in tech, especially companies are looking for so many people, internships and so on. Would you recommend to start earlier, even if, I mean, the, the school, for example, in our case, the school was saying, okay, look for an internship uh, in between, uh, I mean, in the summer, in between the third year and the final final year, right? So that was the the, the the timeline. But would you recommend to just start start off and look for for an internship even if, as soon as you start? I mean, in December, either, as in your case, would you recommend to start start this thing early on, uh, not to wait uh, until the summer of uh, when it's supposed to happen? Mm-hmm. I think it's a it's, I think it's a good question. I think. I think I was not knowledgeable. I think I was just panicked when I did it like I did. <laughs> um, I, you don't know, right? I ended up at Metro Systems and I had this journey in my life. It's it's a pivotal point in, in my life. Had I waited it out, maybe I would have gone to Intel or whatnot and actually did electronics. Right. I, I, I think if you really have... A, a clear view about what you want to do at that point in your in your life. I think you should be a bit more aware of what the different jobs are on the market, and what different internship opportunities you have, and how how cool is it in there as well. Because I had no clue. I just knew that there were some internships and that the slots were given away fast. Because <laughs> like there's really good people out there, you know, just like there were better than me what we were studying um so i think it's 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 a balance between figuring out how good you are where to go and you know opportunities i had diana telling me about this otherwise i wouldn't i wouldn't have ever found it or maybe i would have but too late you know the people around you the 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 network you have um and the places that you look and you spend your time and really influence your your decisions and your basically your view of the world, right? The opportunities that you see or you don't see. Does, does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, Am I t- totally. No, totally, no, totally. I mean, uh, uh, because at the end of the day, for example, if it even if it's on LinkedIn, even if it's on real life, like you had Diana, for example, you cannot see an opportunity. For example, if a uh, if a Tech company is kind of is kind of is having like an open position in I don't know Berlin, Bucharest, uh, London. If you don't have, if you are not connected with someone working at that company, and they are sharing the job on LinkedIn, or you 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 cannot see it. I mean, it's I mean, you will not be aware that they're gonna hire someone. So it's crucial. I mean, it's very important to uh, surround yourself with uh, people who normally they want to elevate us. They want to push us doing uh, doing good things as was the case with D- uh, Diana so okay <laughs> and <laughs> I think uh, you've also touched a nice I um, mean a good point we don't really know what's what's out there I mean especially when you're a student and I guess 
it's a vicious cycle. I mean, how can you know what's happening out there if you're not uh, if you're not jumping on each opportunity you have? Just to see, at least, and because it's important to try as many things as you can. And of course, this is me speaking. I, I uh, from my experience, it's important to try as many things as you can early on, just to at least see what you don't want to do. Because it's, I mean, it's very rare to uh, to to have to stick with a job or an internship and really like it from like to go with your first choice and really enjoy it. At least, I mean, as happens as, as it happens normally, you have one opportunity. You're gonna see uh, what's happening right out there. Uh, maybe you don't like it. You move on and search for another. I mean, you adapt like an AI algorithm. What? <laughs> 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 what? At least what you don't like, and you move on and you uh, cross-check uh, other other things. And this is one way. It's not a. It, you, we don't have like the right answer. I think in here it's it's. It, boils down to each to each uh, person I think yeah uh, I, I think if you don't know which way to go which is completely the case where you're in, you're in university I mean okay maybe there's the few of us that are not us, a few of them that are touched and they know in which direction they they know their path in life but if you don't I think it's just important to just start you know start mm -hmm. and then adapt like exactly like you said I mean I've also gone through like what three, four, five jobs already. And I'm, I've been working for just seven years. There's, uh, there's people out there like my brother that did 20 and they still haven't figured it out. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Uh, speaking of, I think uh, so you've mentioned you started off uh, as a, uh, as a, you know, DevOps team, and then you moved to Kanban being, being a Kanban master and itself, it shows like curiosity. Um, and we can, we can talk on that because you, so you were working within, uh, like Metro Digital, right? And it, this opportunity came out, came, came out like being a Kanban master and you took it. How, mm, why did you took it? I mean, you had any, I mean, it was just pure uh, intuition or <laughs> or somehow you figure out because I always knew you are uh, like an outgoing person, easy to talk with and you are good in this, um, how, how should we call them? Like social social uh, skills right and maybe you knew i mean you knew this this is a strength for for you and you you, you said okay i'm gonna move a bit uh away from the technical side and just i'm gonna move to the agile stuff because i'm good at communicating to people and sharing ideas and organizing teams is maybe i'm just <laughs> laying out things you know. you're, you're giving me more credit than i than i <laughs> it was just uh, <laughs> again, I, at that FOMO. Beginning, i had no idea no at the beginning i literally had no idea i was like okay i this is, I, I just came here to do my job to do my internship if this is what you're telling me to do i'll do it afterwards i did make a conscious decision to switch from um from development and then the little bit of company coaching to to full-time agile coaching so i can right. tell you the story of that um, please do. <laughs> I mean, I'm interested uh, within uh, within this period of, from at Metro Digital, Andrea. Just I I've checked, and I, I'm not sure. Did you spend the, your, your time just in Bucharest, or you were in Germany as well? Um, I'm curious. So, in my five years with uh, with Metro Systems at that time, they they weren't the digital that they are now. Mm -hmm. When I when I left, um, I spent. Um, so I worked the first time part-time right. then I moved the second year full-time and then in the third year I started going to Dusseldorf and uh, Germany 
right. where the headquarters was um, is, um, and I started traveling between the two. Right. I I anyhow planned after my after my university after I finished the bachelor's to go study uh, my master's somewhere else. But by the time I finished, I already knew finished university. I already knew I didn't want to do that. But I still wanted to get out of the country in a way or another. Right. So this this really it was it was a really nice um, yeah alignment of the stars. Let's call it <laughs> right. So this I saw the opportunity and jumped. Right. Again, I mean, I think so. The the idea of moving abroad just came on the radar, right? So it's um, right. You are in in Bucharest, working in tech, having a nice job, uh, and I think you are right on the on to the money with this. Like back in the day, so it was five five years ago, right? Uh, <laughs> uh, and you were like an agile coach. How was it like? Because you were very young, I assume. I mean, being an agile coach in a in a in a in a nice company in Bucharest, uh, how was it like to actually be the coach? <laughs> uh, and uh, I'm I'm curious. I mean, because yeah. you must you must be seeing the like the impact of agile you know, within the the organizations. I'm I'm sure. Yeah. So I had a wrong impression when I started working. I had the impression from you know, years of the, the experiences of my parents and, and the older people around me, I had the, the wrong impression um, that you go to work and you work in this like factory-like setting, even though you're working on computers and you're like angry and sad and you do your work. And at the end of the day, when it's 5, 6 p.m., you get out of work and then you start living your life, you know, um, which was a very gloom perspective on life. But that's that's, that's how it was. I hope people don't have it like that anymore, but that's how I viewed things. And when I was introduced to Agile through, through Kanban, I realized that, hey, people can be happy at work and they can have fun and they, they can experience this like cool stuff, like community and all of that and produce more value for the clients, for the users. What is this? What is this magic? This is kind of like the, the feeling and revelation I had. When I when I figured out what's up with this, and that's that's why I decided to go full time into agile. Um, I was like, everybody should know about this. Why isn't everybody doing this? You know. <laughs> um. Um, yeah. So I can tell you how it was to to be to be an agile coach for eight hundred people. So basically, doing an agile transformation for around eight hundred people uh, at twenty two. When everybody there worked for like more than my own life, that was. But maybe that's that. Was, that uh, sorry to jump in, Andrea. Maybe that's the setting point, right? I mean, because you were young, you had this fresh perspective about things, and oh, let's, <laughs> right? Um, so yeah, let's uh, tell me a little bit about that. How was it like to to lead uh, to be uh, to be in charge with this um, agile agile transformation? Um. And maybe before before starting off with that, maybe we can just give a listeners a short a short introduction or a short summary of what's what agile means, um, why or at least uh, how should how should how should we formulate this? Um, I can, why is it I can, I, for I, I think I can watch you. Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah. So agile is um, a way of working. It's a, it's a um, set of principles of how we work and collaborate together 
in tech and it has spread to more than tech. It's used in marketing, it's used in government. There's there's even parts of our governments that use techniques from this, the UK government from for quite some time. Um, it's it's a way of working and collaborating in order to reach results. Um, and in general, it revolves around um, individuals and interactions over processes and tools. So these are the, there's a couple um, overall principles that describe the way of thinking. Um, customer collaboration over contract negotiation. Right. Um, yeah, it's, it's a set of principles to, to help guide how we do the work so that instead of it being a very process-driven technical um, thing, we as people recognize that we are people and we have our own needs and collaborate to reach a defined end. It's very abstract, right? (laughs) (laughs) It is, right? It's like where we're doing coaching. Um, But it has a lot of different techniques and a lot of different frameworks of how you can put it in practice um yeah you're right we, you i think we cannot really put a finger on it i mean agile, we talk about agile but it's difficult to measure how much agile we are even even it it happens for me for example if i'm gonna write down requirements or specifications for the developers or for other people i'm still gonna I, i'm still gonna use like three different tools i'm still gonna have my spreadsheet i'm still gonna have because maybe it's I'm I'm old school, you know, <laughs> and in agile, but you gotta you gotta <laughs> let the tools work for you instead exactly. of you working for the tools. That's, you know, that's, it's like <laughs> yeah. That's I mean uh, that's the insight. That's the feedback I got from from a colleague from UK because okay, we have one tool, we we pay uh, lots of money for for this tool. Why should we still use like spreadsheets and and everything? But I mean, it, it, I think it also boils down to to the industry. For example, if it's gonna if it's gonna be finance. I'm sure. I mean, it's working with with spreadsheets. It's easier to write down like calculations and stuff. For me, at least. <laughs> um, I mean, Excel. Well, Excel will never die. <laughs> uh, right, it's the but, one tool to rule them all. <laughs> uh, all right. So um, going back, going back. So right. I mean, it's a way of uh, delivering projects, a way of working with your peers, with clients, and so on. Let's go back and please let us know how was it like to be like 22 years old and being in the heart of this agile change? Yeah, it was, it was. Sorry, go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. I'm going to start with my questions now because I have like plenty of questions, but I'm going to uh, take notes and uh, then come back. Good. Um, it was it was interesting. Um, we had a group of agile coaches, and I think that helped a lot. And there was um, there was this whole management felt a pressure to change things. There there was a need to turn things around. And agile, I mean, before agile, right? There were other revelations revelations in, in IT, right? I like. Etil and so on and so forth. Waterfall itself was at a certain point a revelation. Um, I think people were a bit tired of change and they they they're like, okay, another fad. But management really believed in it. So we had support. We had access to external um, 
coaches. Like I got to work with Ari Van Benekum, one of the signers of the Agile Manifesto, right? One of the oh. very few people. Yeah, they, they coached us and to become coaches. It was really cool. Um, and we, we were taking parts of the company and working with the people, restructuring the teams and then helping them set up this new ways of, way of working. And I, I, remember, I remember having these discussions about we can deliver, we can deliver code every couple of seconds, you know? And they're like, it, it, it took them, of course, more. It was, it was a long time ago and it was like older systems. And yeah, it, it took them, let's say a week where they were delivering every couple of months or something. You know, it was like this change of from a couple of months to a couple of seconds um, or minutes between um, uh, integrating code into production. They were like, no, you don't know anything. <laughs> we could never do this. You dreamer. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, I guess I, I guess in 2022, <laughs> we do deliver quite fast. <laughs> um, we don't wait a couple of months anymore. It was, but it was also very fun. It was challenging, but fun. Uh, I'm sure. I wanted, I meant to ask, how did you, I had, for example, uh, um, George or Angelina in, in my previous episodes on the pod, and we were discussing about, so they are both consultants and they were discussing about um, they are supposed to change things in, within clients' organization. And we were discussing about dealing with clients' um like uh, friction when it comes to adapting to change. In your case, what do you, what's your piece of advice when it comes to making a client to understand your point of view? And because at the end of the day, agile is better. So how, what's your piece of advice or to, to someone who is trying to push an idea or a process or a tool that at the end of the day it's going to make uh, his or her life easier uh, what what are the steps you're going to use in order to make the client understand and use a particular a methodology or be it agile be it a, being a tool be it uh, be it a process or whatever mm-hmm. I, I think there's it's it's a really good point that all of us as as coaches as it, as change agents face i think there's two to simplify it right i think there's two important things one understanding the need for change right. so everybody wants to have needs to have a purpose that they're trying to reach so people cannot be comfortable in that position that they're in mm-hmm. they cannot they need to understand that where they are right now it's not working right so let's say, I don't know, the company is collapsing. We're not making enough money to have profit or whatever. And two, you need to set a working collaboration where you are open to experimentation. It's not about we come in and we define everything that you are, how are you going to work from now on? We are providing tools for you to solve your problems. Let's try this tool. See how it works out and then adapt after that. It's not about making a plan right now for everything, everything, everything for the next two years. It's about making the next change, continuous improvement, opening up to to ideas and trying them out. As the Japanese would call it, Kaizen. (laughs) Continuous improvement. (laughs) Um, Right, right. Okay, uh, let's leave it with that. 
Um, do you want to mention anything else in um, while at uh, Metro Systems, Andrea? Otherwise, uh, otherwise we can move on to the next question, which is why why living uh, why living is such? I mean, because at the end of the day, you had like a cool job. Uh, looking from outside, at least, like being an agile coach, we we can even. Uh, I, I'm all over the place with my questions, but before moving <laughs> before moving before moving on, what what do you think are the at least top three skills that an employer is looking when hiring an agile coach or an agile master? Um, because maybe students they they they're gonna finish school, engineering, economics. Uh, whatever, and they want to become an agile coach. Do you think it's possible for a student to straight out of university become a, an agile coach? Or do you recommend to have like the foundation in terms of coding, DevOps, technical stuff, and then moving on to agile? The the world, the agile coach world is, is split in, in, in this direction. Um, I myself would recommend having a different job before switching to agile coaching. Right. So I had the experience of being a programmer and like developing the, the app that I developed um, for like real clients and adjusting it. And I, it was, it was a process, you know, so I learned from that. Then I became an agile coach and I was teaching other scrum masters how to scrum masters when I didn't, when I never worked with scrum and I was like, this is not working. I cannot do this. So then I did, I, full down st step down and I did scrum mastering for a year before like right. full on scrum mastering before very coming mature. back to agile coach. Hmm? Sorry, sorry to interrupt. Very mature. I think uh, I mean you you did this assess assessment, you took a step back and it I think it's very mature. Thanks. I, it was also the I, I had the the privilege to my manager when I worked when I started working for Metro Systems was also my mentor. And I think because we talked about mentorship and stuff like that, right. um, I I don't think I would have gone anywhere if it wasn't for him. To to have a voice that a voice of reason in a way or another that that always had my back, mm -hmm. and I know that not everybody is is this fortunate. But yeah, yeah, a mentor to to help guide you in this and tell you like it's okay, it's okay to step down. This is or like change course. It, it makes sense. Uh, right, right. Uh, I I like I, I like this uh, having a mentor. In your case, do you think is any any particular things you have to do as a to find a mentor, be it in a in your organization, be it in a university, be being in your like life in general? Do you think it's a particular? There are particular things you have to do just to reach out or find out these mentors, or how did you, in your case, how did how did you find your mentor? The whole topic of mentor mentee network, I think it's people can are trying to simplify it sometimes, mm -hmm. like you're you're reaching out to people and then they mentor you. I don't think it's that easy. I don't think it's that easy to find somebody who would actually mentor you or somebody who you can actually provide benefit to because as a mentor you also need to benefit from your mentee um how it i can only tell you how it worked for me um i think i was an overachiever 
Right. I like to work a lot more than I thought I would. And I really put a lot in it. Um, and I think people, some people took notice that I could do more under the right guidance. Right. And I think not everybody is lucky enough to have somebody like that around them. And I think your manager should is, is the person who is the best to do that because if you perform, they are good if and, and so on and so forth, you know. It's it's a tricky question that I don't really have an answer to. Oh uh, yeah, but I mean it's enough uh, it's enough for me. I mean hard work and dedication. <laughs> you said it uh, yourself. Uh-huh. Yeah, but you don't always find that that that's not like a silver bullet, right? You can do all of that and still be overlooked. Uh, right, which is, I mean, we don't have the answers at least. Um, again, I, I, I keep mentioning on my podcast and I think I have already like five episodes I've been mentioning with Stranger. I mean, I've been listening to another podcast and a, a guy was talking about networking and why at the end of the day, why, why a person should do mentor, uh, networking and what's it, to what it boils down. And this guy was saying, strangers have the things you want in life. <laughs> so if you are looking, for example, for the next phase in your career, be it a job, be it a, be it a new job, a new position within your organization, be it a new job within a new organization, just uh, reach out to these strangers. Of course, you have to do your due diligence, do your research, find somehow, I mean, don't just bluntly, or maybe who, who knows, maybe it, hap- it it can be like still a good thing to just bluntly go to, to a person and ask them, hey, I, I like what you do, just help me out, I, I this is what I'm trying to do. Or maybe I was just thinking uh, recently, sometimes I think you have to own your trade. For example, in your case, if right now, if you are, you are a software engineer and you've you've came to the realization that you want to be an agile coach. Okay, so own your trade. I'm an engineer. This is my background. I'm good in tech, but now from now onwards, I want to move into uh, like being an agile coach. So what what can I take from my experience being a software engineer? Because you take the technical point of view, which helps helps a lot lot, um, to the the agile coach side of things. And I mean, just wrap up the story and some at the end of the day if you own your trade and you do a like a little assessment you are good to go and you you will find a way this is where you stand this is where i want to go from point a to point b and uh, if this is uh, structured enough just to present to a, to a stranger this, this story i think you are good to go you are good to go to and you can do it online linkedin or meetups whatever or you can just uh, reach out to people like within your organization within your uh theory country whatever <laughs> but you uh, mm-hmm. i think it boils down to owning your 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 owning your trade knowing your story and yeah yeah i i, I completely agree and there's you describe me as a social being and i i really am <laughs> but i i sometimes don't really like like for myself i don't really know if i would reach out to like somebody from let's say I don't know a company that I look up to like I I wouldn't really necessarily reach out to them because I was like well, what do I ask what do I like do so I can just you can also like observe and then you know just do it just freaking apply to that job 
I was like, what's the worst that can happen? They say no, and then you're like exactly where you started. Is that really a bad thing? Do it, you know, reach out and like find that junior position and try out that new crazy country that you just heard on TV, about on TV. It's like, like on your network, just do it. And you'll, you'll, you'll find your way, right? If it's not the right thing, you'll move somewhere, somewhere else. Right. Take, take the risk. Um, jump um all right andrea so speaking of a uh, new country uh let us know how did you end up in germany uh and why did you make the change yeah so i was i was agile coaching and i feel like i didn't have a real base for what we were doing i couldn't i couldn't give enough real life examples to people about why we were doing the stuff we were doing i knew mm-hmm. just the theory and it's It frustrated me. I also wanted to see how it is in practice. So I had the opportunity to start working also in Dusseldorf in Germany. So for three years, cool. I was moving between Dusseldorf and Bucharest, basically living in these two countries. And it was amazing. Honestly, I, I loved it a lot. It was, it, it started, I started understanding how work culture is different in other places than in Romania. Right. Um, I also I also got to travel to other countries that Metro Systems was working with to do trainings with them as well. So to travel through through Europe, um, and I it it was it was a really really nice period. I in my in my five years with Metro, I learned a lot, like a lot, a lot. I started as an intern, developing. I did some support at a certain point. I did agile coaching. I got to work with amazing mentors and ex- external people. And I was learning so much. I felt like a sponge. But I, at a certain point, right, it was like five years. I, I, that that abrupt learning curve started to flatten out a bit. Mm-hmm. And of course, I didn't know everything, you know. But I couldn't find any more big troves of, of information to learn at that rhythm that I was uh, used to. Right. That's um, so that's when I was like there's there's more out there, right? So that's that's when I, I moved to, to Berlin. Um right. So we can link that to I mean you have you've been already based in Dusseldorf, so you've like Germany. Um and uh let's uh, let us tell us tell us a little bit more about so you are a product you've been a you you've been starting off as a product manager, right? Uh, and in this company in Germany, in Berlin, is it, uh, tell, tell us a little, a little bit about the company and uh, what did you start, what did you do uh, when, when you started off? Can you repeat the question? I'm, quite I'm, I'm all over the place. It's a broad general question. I think what, what's the organization like in, uh, in Germany? So you've started starting working for this new company um, and tell us a little bit about that, about the company itself and then about your role with with them mm-hmm. um so it's 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 called Haycar, um the company it started off in um berlin two years before i joined so four years ago if i'm not mistaken maybe five yeah and they had an exponential growth they're they're a platform for uh selling um vehicles so it's not customer to customer more like business to customer through the platform right um yeah 
So that's that's what it does. Um, so it was it was a startup in um, in Berlin, and it's just one country as opposed to Microsystems was working with twenty something countries. Um, so I was not going to travel as much, and then the pandemic hit. <laughs> Um, so nobody was traveling. Um, so yeah, I started off as a as a coach with them, working with their uh, the couple product teams um, that that they had. Um, and after a bit, I started doing product management for them. An opportunity like uh, presented itself where they needed a product manager for a product for a couple of months that turned into half a year. And I had been doing product coaching as part of agile coaching for a couple of years but of course i had never been a product manager before doing product <laughs> coaching <Yeah>. and <laughs> you, you see where i'm going you seem like, unfaved with uh with like the real life uh, <laughs> experience <laughs> you 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 were always the coach before the <laughs> before having the screen again <laughs> i don't know it, it, it happens you know <laughs> um i, I think I think after doing something like this, you are you are a better coach, right? I, I really think you need some of the experience of the the people you're coaching to help them, to to empathize with them. And at this point, I've worked as a developer uh, with operations, so with with DevOps and SRE, with um, support as well, and with product. I think from a like one of these cross-functional thing teams, the only thing that I haven't done is design. <laughs> right. And I will be working closely with my the designers in the team to, to steal some of that as well. Um right. So fair, fair enough. I mean fair, I think every steps, every steps you did led to this position, I think, being a product manager. How is it like to to be a product manager? It's pretty What? cool. Um Is it true you are the CEO of the product? <laughs> you are the mini CEO of the company. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's a an answer for people with big egos, and I think product could use a few smaller egos. Um, I think I think building a product, the developers are doing it right. They're putting that code together and actually creating something. Um, and the designers and and the people doing other functions around it. I think us as product managers have to um, have the have the fight with with stakeholders, looking at the data, clarifying who that customer is and what they actually need, and present this in a way that makes sense, so that the engineers trust you to actually build this, and then see that their work is rewarded by the client and so on. Um, right. I think it's a service job, right? I think you're the servant to the product in a way or another. Does that make sense? As, I, I, as think, I think coaching, it's, it's like something that to the trust. it's something that a product manager would say. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, it makes sense, Andrea. So um, I know out there we we can say we have two types of product managers, uh, technical, I mean, a product manager, which is more on the technical side of things and a product manager, which is more like a business operations client uh, uh, facing uh, client side. In your case, uh, what's, are you more like on a technical side or on a more on a business operational stuff? Uh, 
I mean, it yeah, depends. That's a good on question, and I'm still figuring it out. Uh, I'm, I'm working with MarTech, right? Which is what? a tech in its name. <laughs> um, so, so technical solutions for, for marketing. Um, I think you cannot not be technical at all. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think you can't be just technical. I think if you're just a technical PM, you're either building a product for other developers, then your product is like, a, there's there's no need for, for business in a way or another. Um, but yeah, that, that's not, shouldn't really be the case for a lot of products, right? I don't know. I'm, I prefer customer facing products. Right. Uh, because again, you, you are good with communicating with clients, with people, I think. I mean, this is what I see. Um, Andrea? You flatter me. Uh, no, I think it's true. Um, uh, Andrea, so what's, let's, if you can just make a comparison in between working in Berlin and in Bucharest, um, how is it like in terms of, um, I don't even know how to structure my question. So I think it's going to be like a broad general question. If you've seen any differences in working in Bucharest on one side and working in Berlin on the other side, in terms of the entire ecosystem, right? So how is it like in terms of uh, other, like the industry, the tech itself? How is it like in terms of uh, other other colleagues, like maybe students, interns, uh, not institution, institutions, I don't know, this whole tech scene um, and being part of it, how does it feel? from Bucharest perspective and from Berlin perspective? Mm. Does it make sense? Sure. Um, I, I can try to answer and then you can guide me if you're if you want more or less of something. So first of all, the commute is smaller, which is kind of cool right. <laughs> to work. Um, but on the other hand, Metro Systems was a big established uh, company, right? Metro itself is, what, 60 years old? Um, so it's a different type of, and there are different industries as well. So it's, it's, I haven't had the, the enough experience to really make this like big generalization of, of the differences between the two. Um, but there's, and there's experts everywhere. I think Romania and Bucharest has a lot of experts and I think it, it would be so cool to see even more expats, um, in Romania because it's a really cool place to, to live and be. Um, I think for me, so I was working in Bucharest and Dusseldorf was super quiet. Bucharest is a very lively city where everything happens and so on. You have a lot of opportunities and, and everything. Um, I think Berlin was the, the, the middle ground for me. It was still a German place um, where you had the opportunities, let's say, of, of a German Place and the security, the the comfort, you know, of not having to stress about different things right. like in Romania in general. Right. Um, there's a lot less prejudice. Right. Like I can remember, I was wearing a nose ring for for a period, and I just remember the the stares and the discussions, <laughs> and it was just like, is this really what we're supposed to be? Like <laughs> what? What it matters, you know. I like that everybody has tattoos. That nobody gives an. F. <laughs> that nobody cares. 
um, that it's it's about what you it's about what you're discussing, not about who you are. And you, it's so diverse. Berlin is super diverse. People from all over the world just figuring out together what they want to do. Uh, right. I I like that. You've you've mentioned this like big organization, Metro Metro Systems, and of course uh, Heycar, which is like a startup. Mm. Not so, anymore. It's, it's yeah. quite big. It's a, it, right now. It's in uh, five countries. Right. So it's. I mean, and they really grew. I mean, when I'm saying startup, I'm saying I'm I mean it. I've in the mentality of how you guys work more than size and um, other like technical financial stuff. Um, so, what uh, do you think? Of course, did did you did you notice any differences as in? The way of working, as in the mentality, working in a big company versus um, startup. Quote, yeah, hey, car. I, I, I know it's, it's already like I a think big it's more company. Like growth. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, do you see any any difference in between, like the way of working and yeah, just way of working? You as an individual being an, either an agile coach or product manager in in one side a big company and on the other side like a. a Growing company. That's it's an interesting question and a, and a good one. Thanks, thanks, Stefan. Um, I think companies that get formed right now have a different view and understanding of what matters. For example, data, looking, right. gathering, and looking at so much data versus companies that started 50 years ago that have their data all over the place. All over the place. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And that really changes how you look at things. It's like you get instant feedback about the stuff that you bring to clients because you have the data. Right. And then there's this there's this sense of urgency of like, let's do it. Let's let's get to work. And of course, the bigger you are, the slower you move. Um, but there's ways and Agile itself tries to deal with that to, to keep this Um, agility, <laughs> not in a <laughs> agile way, but like the actual word <laughs> that agile took it from. Uh, this agility of being able to move and adapt quickly. Um, yeah, there's more expected of you, I think, in startups or like in growth phases. You you have bigger expectations, bigger dreams of yourself as a company and of the people you're working with. Um, yeah, maybe as a I mean, you as a millennial, us as millennials, maybe it's also about the, the impact. I mean, the impact feels much more in a, in a growing company than, you know, already well-established, uh, like, big company. Um, <clears throat> what do you think if you would have not went to this path first of a big company and then jumping into a, like, growing company, do you think you would have performed at least the same as you are performing right now? I mean, uh, to put it um, in, in other words, do you think you've, you would have learned the skills from um, uh, from Metro Systems um, <clears throat> from, from a startup as well uh, when, when, when you started off your career? I haven't, I've never thought about that quite in, in that way. So I'm going to give an answer that might be rash. Maybe it's not really the, my own truth but how i'm seeing it right now and how i'm thinking about it i don't think so i think joining a big company 
when I didn't really know what I wanted to do, gave me the um, the opportunity to to see and move around and you know figure out from all of those people doing awesome things around me what is the one thing that I would like to do next. And it also offered me the the resources to you know, bigger companies have bigger resources that they can do a lot of things with. So like this in, internal agile transformation, that smaller teams, uh, companies would have just gotten an external company and then they did it. Okay. So yeah, that, that's how I look at it right now. But I think if I would have gone with the startup from the beginning, I think I think I would have ended up making my own startup sooner rather than later. Right. So it, it's a different path in life. It's not necessarily wrong. It's just different. Mm, right. Okay. Cool stuff. Um, Andrea, just one uh, one more question. Uh, tell me what's happening. <clears throat> I know now with COVID, things are more online than, than, than offline. Um, is it something that, for example, you didn't see in Bucharest or in other place that's happening in Berlin? Uh, maybe conferences, maybe uh, like uh, startups, accelerators, uh, VC, uh, anything you can think of that it's quite particular to Berlin. And of course, your London or places where <clears throat> indeed there is a big, um, like big startups funding uh with VC, like venture capital money and everything like that. And I'm curious if you've seen anything that it's, you didn't see it yet in other places, just in uh, <clears throat> these locations that, such as Berlin, London. Mm -hmm. even, in, even in Metro, I was working a little bit on the startup uh, direction, like figuring it out. Um, so I moved in Berlin at the beginning of, so in January 2020, and the quarantine mm -hmm. started in March 2020 and it hasn't really ended so I, I need to show my vaccination to go into the supermarket it's not it's, it's a different world out there than it was a couple of years ago or that it will be in a couple of years so mm. yeah but before I, there's there was tech crunch oh tech crunch um which is really cool um I think right now I think right now everything is available. It's an amazing period in, in tech um, history because everything is available to everybody. So, for example, there's this Silicon Valley group as a VC. Let me just let me just double check that. Hmm. SVPG. No? Yes, Silicon Valley Product Group, right. which is done by Marty Kagan. Amazing. Um, there's this. Lean uh, startup um, meetup that was in Silicon Valley, and now all of these things are online. So you can join them if you figure out how from you know Giorgio. Like, <laughs> yeah, uh -huh. it's, it's an amazing thing, and like getting access to like you can pitch stuff from all over the world to everywhere else. So you can pitch stuff to people in Japan, you know, as or like get part become part of these networks that are across continents it's it's awesome i i can't really say if there's anything special right now in berlin i wish i could say <laughs> i wish i will find out soon <laughs> for myself all right. <clears throat> all right i hope this uh, covid situation will um 
will be fine. Um, Andrea, so I like the conversation. Please let me know, is it your first podcast? Uh, or is it your first, I'm sure it's not your first like um, interview about Agile as you being an Agile coach. You are, you've been preaching about these things already. Um, but I do appreciate being so candid. Um, let me know if I've missed any questions, for example, that you might have wanted to talk about uh, one thing that you, you wanted to talk about, so, uh, maybe like a, a failure or a lesson that you've learned uh, along the way, uh, maybe uh, an advice you want to share. It's like a broad, um, it can be like any, any, anything. Yeah. Uh, I think we can talk about two things, if you'll let me. <laughs> one, mistakes. I think it's really a frame of mind and I think they're just like I mentioned like pivots in, in your in your life and you'll end up somewhere else but it's not it's not necessarily going to be worse it's just going to be different. Right. Um and in terms of changing careers. So right. it's it, it we really live in a world where it's like I have no idea agile coaching was a thing when I was studying. Like who who even knows what it is, you know? Um or that product management is like it is right now, or like the the being a podcast host. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's there's these all of these cool jobs that we can invent or make or whatever. I think it's really cool to to have this. I know you need to have a blanket of security so that in case you try something, you're not gonna land flat on your ass. But I think it's it's really cool to to get out there and experiment, you know, like try something else. Because I think none of us will in the next decade or even right now will stop working with the job that we started with. A couple of decades ago, it was like that, right? You you studied something and then you did something and you were doing that for your whole life. Right. I don't think it will be like that from now on. I really don't. I think. We'll start off with something and then we'll have to adapt and adapt and adapt because jobs get automated or the, the market shifts and, and so on and so forth until we'll, we'll figure something out and, and then we'll change again. So how, sh how should we prepare ourselves for this type of um, situation, changing jobs, adapting and uh, landing on our feet at the end of the day? I, I think... I think you can prepare yourself, but at the end of the day, you, you're not going to be, it's, there's no sure chance, you know, that you're going to land on your feet. Uh, I think you, yeah. <laughs> uh, come on, for, for me, uh, for me, Andrea, it's uh, very easy, the answer. I mean, looking back at our conversation, this is what you've been doing. You were, you were curious and you jumped on, on every opportunity out there, moving from, from technical like DevOps team and so on to the Kanban and then to the Agile and then to, another, to Dusseldorf and then to a new camp to a new city, Berlin. I think this is what you've been doing. So adapting and staying curious. Yeah, yeah. But adapt, like how do you prepare yourself to adapt? It, it was, uh, and it was, it was hard every time I did, every time I did one of these changes, it was hard. <clears throat> But at the end of the day, you've got to say, what if, what if I don't do it and things go bad, right? I listened to one of the podcasts. They were talking about some people who switched to Slack, some developers from, from the old Slack at the beginning when they made it. And they were thinking like, okay, do I go with the startup where I might fail and things might be bad or do I stay in this comfortable job? And it's like, what if I don't do it? If I, if I stay, if I don't go to, to Slack and it's 
and it becomes successful, will I regret it more that I stayed here versus I stay in this comfortable job and that and Slack fails? Will I regret it more if I didn't go or if I did go? I'm, I'm sorry, I'm messing it around. Uh, I, I hope you get it, right? Yeah, no, think about uh, abso- it absolutely. You, absolutely. But you're missing. Uh, absolutely. What Andrea. can you stand losing? <clears throat> And I think I mean we can we can touch can touch this subject because we talk about I mean even on a podcast we discuss about all sorts of like professionals and we discuss about how nice and glamorous things are when either moving from one country to another or moving from one company to another. But I mean, of course, there are also bad things. I mean, not really bad things, but uh, things that are stressing you out. For example, just in order to grow. Uh, maybe we can touch on that. What, for example, for you, uh, looking back, uh, when you've changed either roles within metro systems, either changing countries, I mean, cities, Bucharest, Düsseldorf, doing this back and forth, and then eventually jumped and uh, and um, moved uh, in Germany for, for good. Uh, how was in your case? Who knows? Case, I'm not planning to stand here forever, stay here uh, forever. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, who knows, who knows, but uh, how was it in your, because I'm sure it was not easy, especially right when you did a transition, I mean, <laughs> we talk about, you know, in a glamorous way, I mean, wow, it's very nice to being in Berlin and being in a, uh, in a cool company, but what would you share about, I mean, the bad things, uh, like the things that were stressing you out? It, it can be the, the rent in Berlin. It can be whatever, like missing family, missing friends. We, we, yeah, we can, we, can be, we can be like more, uh, let, let's mm-hmm. touch this. this uh, <laughs> the bad emotional. stuff. stuff. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I think that the one thing that's like, I'm not 100% with, but I really love my life. I really do. I wouldn't change it for the world, except when I do. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, is like if I compare Romania and Berlin, the salaries in Romania for tech jobs are quite above the the like medium, you know, like right. the, the average right. um, household salaries. So you get to live this privileged life right. that in France and Berlin, it's like it's it's still an average salary. You're not you're not living this privileged uh, life that you go to the coolest clubs and can do whatever you can still do you can still live this very comfortable life but you don't you don't have that privilege i don't know i i was born white ish <laughs> i'm used to privilege you're right but i hope you got it <laughs> you're right because i i told I, i'm preaching about this uh with uh to, to my brother for example who is in bucharest and my sister who, who works in, in tech in bucharest i mean it's a bubble it's a privilege working in tech in bucharest <laughs> it's uh like a, it's a nice situation for you mm-hmm. um, um it really right. is like my rent like i i I visited Romania last year for a month. I stayed in May. And like a really cool Airbnb that I got in Berlin, in Berlin, in Bucharest, um, for a month, the the price I paid for it was still lower than my actual rent, like empty rent in Berlin. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, but I mean, the, the prices are picking up, I think, in terms of real estate, in terms of services, I think. I mean, it's the natural yeah. way to... Um, from now onwards. Um, but still, it's a it's a sweet spot uh, being in tech in, in Bucharest. 
Um, yeah. Which I, funny enough, they don't realize, I think people, people being in Bucharest right now, they don't realize the, the sweet spot they're, they're in. They, I, I see it with my family, for example, with my brother and sister. And I have to tell them, guys, you are in a sweet spot. <laughs> Just, <laughs> It really is. It really is. Like, and like, it's also, you've lived in that city for quite a while. You see all of the doors because you'd speak the language, you know, the system, you understand, like you move into a city in book in Romania and you figure it out. You figure it out quite fast because it's how it works. I don't know. I don't think I've ever figured out how Dusseldorf, how Berlin work. I mean, I have my friends and I like do my things and I have my life, but I'm, I'm living in my own interest bubble as well. I never really quite got like the, I don't watch German TV. I don't speak German. I, <laughs> yeah, it's like, I'm, I feel like a, a bit like a stateless individual. You know what I mean? Yeah, it happens. I mean, when you, when you are, when you leave, because in your case, you, 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 you live not just in Bucharest and Berlin, you've been to Dusseldorf and you, I think, yeah, it's a common thing among people living abroad and in many places, you somehow lose your touch with, uh, with any, I mean, maybe it's not Berlin, maybe it's not Bucharest, maybe it's not Dusseldorf, you somehow, as you said, stateless. <laughs> uh, which Sometimes it's better, sometimes yeah. it's worse, right? You have, yeah. Um, speaking of language, so yeah, it's German. Yeah, German. I agree. It's uh, it's a difficult language. Um, what, a, Andrea? I'm curious about the German German people. Are they really on point? Uh, are they really like that punctual as they they say on on internet? <laughs> <laughs> um, yes and no. I I I I found that the more you work with different like people, because all of these companies that I've worked with mm-hmm. have been extremely international like you you work with people from all over the world i can't really say that any of the stereotypes are true or false you know like you can't really say everybody is an individual and yeah maybe about us that we do swear a lot but i know a lot of romanians who don't swear a lot you know it's really i I can't really say i can't really be that general and say yes germans are punctual because i know a lot of them that are not and for everything as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Everybody's um, just people, you know? At the end of the day. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right, cool. I like we, we've touched about this, um, like the things that are not that enjoyable because at the end of the day, yeah, the furnace police wants everything to be fair, but things are not fair in life. <laughs> And maybe I'm gonna <laughs> maybe I'm gonna focus on that with my also with my next guests because at the end of the day this is I mean we take our lessons from 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 our mistakes um, and I'm glad we've touched that you see I mean it's very easy for me to I mean to talk with you and get out information from you <laughs> it's really I mean it's a genuine uh, maybe because we've been also colleagues and friends so yeah. Um, um, <laughs> uh, so andrea please let me know uh if i mean i do appreciate being so candid on the podcast very nice um very nice uh like information in terms of agile product um tech in general also like more personal stuff uh, do you do you think i've missed we've missed something uh, uh worth mentioning 
No, I think I think we got a lot of I think we got a lot of stuff. And at the end of the day, right, it's it's a it's a long life. At a certain point, we'll miss some stuff. <laughs> it will pop up with the next uh, with your next. Um, uh-huh. I, I'm sure maybe <clears throat> maybe I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna see you on another podcast. Um, I, I I'm sure it's not gonna be the the only podcast uh, you you'll be in um, you'll be on. <laughs> I, I don't know if if. It, for, For example, in Germany, in Berlin, are they, are they are the podcasts like a serious thing? I mean, not serious. Are, the, are people usually listening to podcasts? Yeah, I listen to podcasts, yeah. but I I I listen to specific ones. So, for yeah. example, I use them in my uh, research, product research, mm-hmm. to study the market. Cool. Like when I was doing, like I I listen to podcasts about product. Now right. I listen to podcasts about marketing. I used to before now more about seo like depending on what what i'm doing at work i need external inspiration right so that's that's how i do it but um the germans themselves i don't know it's in german <laughs> i don't know <listen> <laughs> um, uh, right uh, i wonder what's what's going to be like the top uh, 10 podcasts in like in, uh, in on, on spotify on apple in germany uh, i'm curious I, will, i can check that out um Also, I mean, I just, before closing this, before calling the pod, do you have any book that people can read about Agile, about Lean Startup, about product in general? I think I have one that connects all three of them, and it's inspired by Marty Kagan. I think you've read it by your smile. <laughs> uh, which, which, one, which one is it? Inspired by inspired. Marty Kagan. Uh, no, I didn't. <laughs> <gasps> you should. Um, Come on, Stefan. It's it's really good. Or maybe I did. Um, I uh, no. If I'm not remembering, I, I didn't. Uh, all right. Maybe so it didn't impact you as much, but it's it's a really good book. It it tells you how to do product in an agile way, in an MVP lean startup way, but for this day and age, how to build products um, that customers love and how to organize inside of the team, cross-functionality, how to work with stakeholders, how to do discovery, because this is something we're missing a lot in product. Um, it's a really good book, and it's not that new. All right, so inspired. You have another one? Um, G- give us at least, have... at least three books. <laughs> ah, I have to do three books. Then, of course, Lean Startup. Right. Um, and I'm going to go, I'm Fearless Organization. Um, Fearless organization by right. I don't know I don't know this one fearless organization but sounds cool. Uh, Amy Edmondson. It's a fearless organization creating psychological safety in the workplace for learning, innovation, and growth. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's about how you would communicate with each other so that we let ourselves run free to come up with the best ideas, to feel the safest, and be able to be ourselves. Cool. It's it's really cool. Cool. And you might have heard about psychological safety in general. Right. So books, podcasts, nice. Pretty nice. So I mean, yeah, staying up to date, getting inspired and and newsletters. So many newsletters. <laughs> yeah. Maybe yeah. I should do a newsletter uh, for my podcast. <laughs> you <laughs> based, totally based should. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You can just like do do like a 
uh, a preview of the of the interview and then uh, like link it to the actual interview. That'd be yeah. a really cool. Maybe thing. you can help me out. <laughs> <laughs> sure, uh, let's do it. Um, okay, okay, uh, Andrea. So let's let's leave it to that. Uh, it was nice. It was nice catching up with you. Uh, keep you as well. Keep um, keep pushing at it with um, uh, with this agile product and changing minds and um, inspire people within organizations and life in general around you. <clears throat> <laughs> Thank you. I'll I'll do the best I can. <laughs> Somebody um, get to inspire me as well. So I'll check out your podcast for that. Keep keep finding your mentors, right, and keep networking. <laughs> <laughs>